0: And welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast, the most insulting podcast in the business. Today, I am being truly awful and uh, very happy to be joined by the James Gelber, not a James Gelber, but the James Gelber of the James Gelber's Music Project, which I haven't heard. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing amazing. How are you today?
0: (laughs) I'm tired as hell, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I I mowed the lawn. I, I haven't eaten dinner, so my dinner was two handfuls of peanuts.
1: And now I, you got to talk
0: to me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I had a salad for lunch. I'm going crazy hard on the salad because during the pandemic, because I can't stop talking about it. I have gone really hard on killing myself and I'm trying to even that out. So I've had four salads in the past seven days, which is... Murder. I think the most salads I've had in the past decade. And then I didn't eat dinner, so because that was smart. Uh, so, I mean, I guess awful...
1: All right, <laughs> get just eat a steak and run up a
0: hill, man. you will be fine. <laughs> well, I was going to, you know, as we record this, uh, Father's Day is this weekend and I do have a daughter as everyone who's ever listened to this or followed me on any social media knows. I have a daughter and a wife because I can't stop talking about them because they're better than me. But uh, I was going to grill steaks up for myself because my family doesn't eat steaks on Father's Day. And then I found out it's going to be like hundred and five. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck,
1: man? Uh, Pull day. That's what I would.
0: (laughs) Uh, Here in St. Louis, it is, it literally feels like we are living in Satan's asshole.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You go
0: outside and it hurts to breathe.
1: I've, I've been, I've toured there through the summer. I used to play in uh, this band right here from Las Vegas for about six years, Hemlock. And uh, yeah, the summers there. very brutal. So I I feel your pain. So. <laughs> when
0: when I interviewed uh, Sarah um, Sarah Jezebel Diva, she said you're from St. Louis. I remember there. I toured there with Cradle of Filth on Ozfest. It was yeah. fucking hot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you came on Ozfest, that's probably exactly how it was. Good old You asked, Oz- you asked about <laughs> cursing, so now I can't stop. So thank you. That's totally cool. <laughs> so being as i am completely unprepared as is my 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 want what explain your music to my listeners what should we know let's start there. so
1: what i'm trying i guess i could kind of give some background to where i kind of started with all this you know without getting a full biography but you know i started playing music when i was really young about i think it was about 12 when i started taking guitar very seriously i had two older brothers that live in austin texas i'm texas Born and raised, Uh, I currently live in Florida, uh, in Tampa area, Clearwater actually. And I had been a metalhead like basically all my life. I've also been a uh, producer. I'm still a producer and a live sound engineer. You know, all the music that you hear that I make, I do. I do everything on it. Um, But I mean, long story short, for this kind of music, I'd always been a singer, and I never actually got to like front anything you know i never got to like go sing for a band as only the singer i was always like backup vocals especially for hemlock or uh just any other project i was in and i i really wanted to explore more of that and showing my vocal ability mainly um that was like you know when you hear your own voice you're kind of like i don't i don't know you know maybe i
0: don't even like my speaking voice um i actually lower the tone of my natural voice by about By about a whole tone, all the time. Right? How are you doing? (laughs) Not no. I mean this. This is me lowering it. So this is my actual voice. It's a little bit higher, but I bring it down just a little bit. You have a fine voice, but when I hear it recorded, if I'm not doing the lower tone, I I hate. Right. Yeah. You gotta go Peter Steele with it. Just get as low as you can. Right. I actually did a podcast with my other podcast about. my other podcast is Department of the Metal Antiquities, where we discuss forgotten albums by famous artists, be it a solo record, be it a collabor- collaborative record, or be it an album under that title. We did a typo negative record, and I can't stand typo negative. Oh, man, I'm,
1: I'm a huge fan,
0: sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I, I love stuff people hate, and I I'm, but I hate them. I cannot right. stand them. So basically, they're, the- they are a, they're an acquired
1: taste for sure. So I saw, them li-
0: I saw them live and I didn't get it. And that's like the barometer for me. If I see a band live and I still walk away going, I don't know, man, then I'm out.
1: Yeah, I sadly never got the privilege to see them. But as I said, I had well, two I older brothers. No, oh, no, it's totally fine. But uh, my oldest brother, uh, uh, Ven, he, uh, he got me into like Typo and uh, Testament, Queensryche, like all these you know 90s bands 90s metal bands but pantera was the one that did it for me when i was getting into guitar so
0: testament was actually my at, at my first show it wasn't a testament show it was an iron maiden fear of the dark tour oh wow that's great so that was a great lineup it was coc excuse me i'm burping it's all
1: good
0: uh it was <laughs> coc testament and iron maiden wow gosh. And, you problem. know <laughs> i don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon though i mean i'm i am one and i don't want to sound like one though and shows today are not what they once were because you don't get the slice of life that you we used to get i can
1: imagine yeah i mean i i'm young i'm you know 33 uh you know currently so i'm 45
0: i mean i'm 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 basically dead only 45 years young whatever you know. okay. I was considering the fact that I'm gonna hit 50 and I honestly actually thought 10 years ago well I guess I'll probably calm down when I get older and stop listening to this crazy metal but uh, today before that we started this I was listening to lecherous nocturne yes so apparently not
1: <laughs> never t- if it's too loud you're too old as they say right?
0: I agree and you know I I, I don't know I, I just thought you know when I was this old, I wouldn't be listening to such crazy music. But I i guess this is just who I am now, and it right. has been for uh, over almost thirty years. So whatever, okay, working with that. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we are here to discuss Pink Floyd for some reason. Yeah, yeah actually, uh, I know what the reason is. It, I requested that uh, James discuss with me to have a more focused conversation that we discuss a favorite band, and he chose Pink Floyd. And anybody who knows me, even a little bit, knows I went, all right, let's do that. So starting <laughs> off, so uh, you have agreed to answer questions about Pink Floyd, and I hope you're ready to defend your positions. So starting off, Team Dave, Team Roger.
1: Hmm. Well, as a guitarist, I have to pick Dave because of his tone, for one. Uh, one of the things that really gravitated me towards Pink Floyd was actually Dave's voice and just kind he, of...
0: I, I I'm still Team Roger. I'm yeah. 100% Team Roger, but I think Roger works best with Dave singing his words. Uh, agreed, totally. And by no... Even though
1: they are one of my favorite bands of all time, it was really hard to just choose, a, just to clarify, it's really hard to choose a favorite band because uh, I... As a producer, I listen to so much music. I've done hip hop, techno. I've done indie, but you know, I'm a, primarily a hard rock metal producer. And you know, like I would talk Pantera. You know, like Pantera is definitely like when I put that on, it's never turning off, right? But Pink Floyd is also one of those universal bands where you know everybody can kind of relate to the message that they're trying to do. You know,
0: not only relate to it, but have strong opinions about it. Right, and right. It's, they are the quintessential band that has it all, and chooses to flip off everybody, saying we're going to do it our way. And we're, right,
1: I'm sure you saw the uh, the Roger Waters thing uh, recently. Uh, Facebook had reached out to him. I about, did, yes, I saw yeah, that yesterday. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Facebook, I guess Zuckerberg reached out to uh, uh, Roger Waters to ask permission for. Using another brick in the wall to uh to promote instagram and his answer was literally fuck you <laughs> which was amazing you know, was like, this is great
0: you know and, and it it is one it is amazing yeah. two it's easy to say fuck you to facebook when you have roger waters money oh yeah that's
1: royalty i mean that's that's like the king of you know anything you know there's just any kind of royalty like he can say fuck you and get away with it no one will argue with
0: it this is someone who can go out on tour selling out arenas right. lip syncing ish yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm gonna say ish i choose yeah. to believe that he's also singing because i need that and you know he, he can sell out stadiums so it's it's easy You know, it's also like the Beastie Boys were always very big about not being in advertising. Right. They never had that kind of money. So it's a lot more powerful when they say it. And not only do they say it, but they stuck to it.
1: Right. Exactly. And uh, we're starting to see a lot of that now. I think, um, you know, let's look at the uh, you know, veering from music, let's look at the Dave Chappelle thing, you know, when he basically told people, hey, If you care about my work, don't watch Chappelle's show. You know, it's on Netflix. They're not giving me shit for it. Do not watch it. And they pulled it because of that, because he had so much power in his words. And then eventually, I think the VP or somebody, you know, paraphrasing, but basically they're like, look, we'll give you the money you deserve. And they did. They gave him millions of dollars. And this is the same guy
0: that turned down a hundred million dollars or something ludicrous. Right. And, because he's
1: like no nah, i'm good yeah he walked away from uh an amazing opportunity and you know he's he's obviously very vague about why you know oh not vague it, it, a big ish you know i'm sure there was tons of reasons why but to go back to just the fact that people have that much power now because people believe in them you know like i think uh you know, Joe Rogan's starting to feel that too. He's starting to say stuff and people are really taking that shit seriously. And he's starting to get blasted. But you know, in the end, people should be able to say what they want. I think any normal human being can point out an idiot and be like, I don't agree with you, whatever. You know,
0: <laughs> I like the fact that Joe Rogan has an audience, and I also lament the fact that he has that audience. Right. <laughs>
1: His audience is so broad you know like it's i don't know how he gets away with half the shit
0: so <laughs> there, there's just a lot of wrong there so uh all right moving on a bit right, right. sorry <laughs> no it, it's it's fine i like meandering uh yeah just like me i do that a lot get ready <laughs> of oh, course cool. not a problem my my all next right. question would be what is your favorite pink floyd album and why is it the wall <laughs> sadly it's
1: not the wall it's actually dark side of the moon because that was the wreck my first record from them i had a friend of mine named eric but his nickname was chubbs you can imagine why his name was chubbs but uh um, you know not to sound cliche that was like one of the first times i was like smoking weed and you know he's like check out this record bro and i'm like oh, okay you know i'm still like this isn't my adolescence where i'm still like metal is the only fucking cool thing you know i got a cowboys from hell tattoo you know so it's just like i was like fuck it whatever you know and he put it on and it literally changed my life because i'd never heard any kind of music like that especially you know breathe you know when you hear that you know that e minor chord you're just like oh just melting you know like i was in pure bliss not just because of the weed but the music but was you know it's just fucking awesome and then the album kept going and it was just it was a journey it really did like change my life especially uh time you know time is definitely the, my favorite track on that on that whole thing you
0: know i listen to that album a lot because i am living an existential crisis as i'm getting older. <laughs> I, i'm like fuck uh death is getting closer and i don't know how to deal with that i i, I have not been able to To work out the fact that there's going to be a time when i'm not here
1: well you gotta remember metallica's lyrics we're all dying from the day that we're born
0: that was iron maiden
1: that same (laughs) Jeff.
0: as soon as you're born you're dying that was iron maiden yeah well i think metallica
1: has a lyric too
0: you know i I don't know if, if anybody's aware but metallica is not exactly above uh copping stuff so oh no
1: i me and my wife just watched uh, a whole thing of just these little things they were ripping off we're like you know
0: like (laughs) it makes you raise an eye so you know look i've got no problem with a band stealing because there's only so many notes there's only so many chord progressions only so many keys oh yeah and but it's i don't know i don't know where i'm going with that so i'm gonna stop it
1: well I, i get what you're saying though there's a i think I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. There's a huge difference between stealing and then being influenced and I think artists run into that all the time even on accident, you know. It's a uh, fine line to
0: be perfectly honest. Right.
1: I mean anybody for any music nerds out there, you know there's only 12 notes we have to choose from. It's a very finite amount of space in between those notes and there's a billion different combinations. I mean it's it's fucking impossible to write something truly original. In fact, there's a video series, I think it's called Everything is a Remix. And they and it kind of, it's a four part series. You can go to their website um, and they talk about, you know, movies, they talk about music, everything. And like, they talk about how Star Wars is even a rip off of this and like just- Oh,
0: completely is. St- yeah, Star Wars is a, a rip off of Flash Gordon. Uh, yeah, and, exactly. Um, and this, a samurai movie that, of which uh, Kurosawa flick right and they
1: i i think i know exactly which films because i think they talk about that but as far as the music thing yeah it's um it's it's a little crazy like i i i'll sit you know with my guitar i'll be chilling I'm like man this fucking riff is great i'll be tracking it and then i'm like driving and like i you know i'll have like my streaming thing going on like just random playlist and a and a song will come on
0: i was like Fuck! It's been done. <laughs> like, you know. Like. I, I know that feeling. I, I wrote this like great chord progression. Right back when I was like ser- serious about playing. By by serious, I mean like sitting in my room, wishing I was somewhere. But and I was like dan 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 dan, and I'm like, this is amazing. It's oh, great. Right, yeah. It. <laughs> okay. Can't use that one.
1: And I uh, haven't yeah. heard "Smoke
0: on the Water" or "Cat Scratch Fever" in like twenty years. Well, I guess ten years at that. Point. Oh god! But yeah, but "Cat Scratch Fever" and "Smoke on the Water" are basically the same song.
1: Yeah, literally the riff and everything. And you know, it's it's funny. I call it a, like a vicious circle. You know, it's uh, if you look at like look at a lot of pop songs nowadays, everybody's kind of going back to that synthwave sound. You know, the the whole. You know dafty kind of flock of seagulls synth stuff you know like the weekends like abusing the shit out of that right synth now is know? something so
0: it's that it, it comes around every so often and right it's and pop music has always been fairly synthy which in the last you know 30 years or so which i completely get because it, it makes sense it's a lot cheaper right. to hire four songwriters write 10 songs and get a producer to make some beats get bring mariah carey in and bang it out in a weekend than it is to have metallica come in with bob rock and spend the next year and a half in the studio
1: right well it's 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 the technology's there now you know i love that um in a year and a half with metallica those videos you know i used to have the vhs of the first one when they're recording the black album and it's such a fucking amazing video to watch because you know they're like talking about that we call this master of track which is just punch-ins you know like nowadays we we don't even think of you know we take that shit for granted because back then it's like of course they stayed in a fucking studio for a year and a half they had to get it completely right right then and there you know they had to get that moment and stay you know in the fucking vocal booth for a month and a half now you get some fucking, Joe Blow to like barely sing and like ah an auto you know like, yes.
0: auto tune cut and paste and all right. I mean it's worth watching since we're talking about Metallica now because I brought it up um, right if you we're talking were, about Pink
1: Floyd right
0: <laughs> I'm talking about whatever I mean theoretically <laughs> I'm sure we'll we'll round back to it
1: we'll, we'll round back yeah but <laughs>
0: I think it's really important to consider the two documentaries some kind of monster and year and a half in life metallica one of them is really really good and one made me hate metallica for five years guess which one is which but well you know to not to interrupt on that but
1: there's some kind of monster thing i i consider to be one of the most important music movies of all time the reason i say that a lot of people argue this but I remember the day when that album came out, you know, I was like, fuck yeah, Metallica. You know, I'm in my car, fucking put that shit in there. And I hit play. I'm driving. All right, next track. Uh, yeah, next track. You know, and I threw it out my window. I was just like, what the fuck is this? And then when
0: I saw the movie, I was like, oh, you know, it all you know, makes sense. Here's, here's my hot take. St. Anger is a great record that was recorded poorly.
1: Yeah, but I also, I agree on that to some extent, but I also think that St. Anger and Some Kind of Monster shows what you don't do as a band, which is- Correct, oh, completely. you know they were completely james was completely not in a state to be around the people that he fucking got fucked up with for years He just got out of rehab you know so and then jason leaving you know to prove a point or to just tell him like i'm not happy with anything you know i mean i i I always think i think about it all the time like what would i have done if i was in james's you know shoes like I've, of course I would have fucking been yelling at Lars. He's, you know, like they're brothers, you know, he's, he's said it multiple times in interviews. He's like, I love them. I hate them, but you know, you've got to get through it. Cause it's just happy. You know, it's supposed to be this happy family, but you know, when you're trying to make a, you know, in the end, music is a product. And I think if, you know, even though you've, you you want to be as musically creative as possible, you have to come at it in a sense of a business way where, You've got to come up with something that's, you know, obtainable and that people can digest and relate to, you know, and there's a lot of stuff on uh, St. Anger that is relatable lyrically, but it's very convoluted by negativity. So, you know, think
0: about St. Anger. It was the first bit about St. Anger that I heard. Was when they were on the Tongs there, Tong. No, Kong. no, it, it wasn't that. <laughs> it surprisingly wasn't that. When, when they were on the VH1 show, honored by the Icons show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they played a medley of their songs. You know, like, we're you know they had everybody covering their songs. Avril Lavigne did Fire yeah. Fuel. Excuse me, Shakira. Like I, or no, that one
1: Shakira. Yeah, Fuel. Yeah. And
0: then other people did songs that I don't. That apparently left no impression on me that lasted. And then Metallica played a medley at the end. And at the end of the medley, they played Frantic. Except they didn't play it tuned down to whatever they were on that. They didn't play it with Lars's trash can snare drum. And it sounded amazing. And I'm like, holy shit. Right. They have come with they've brought back something amazing. And I can't wait to hear this. And I remember when it came out too. I was it was, I can tell you how it came out early. Somebody broke the street date. So everybody broke the street day. I'm at Sam Goody, Sam Goody in Crestwood Mall, which was across the street from my apartment at the time. Uh, it has been completely leveled now. And right. I remember going home and putting it in the CD player and going, What is this? Right. <laughs> and I mean that, that's still my response to, to that to that album is what is this?
1: Yeah. And, well, there, it's it's a police negative. See-
0: then you see some kind of monster two years later, yeah. and it's like, oh, oh, that's why the guitars sound like that. right? That's why and the bass sounds like, I mean, they did everything wrong possible to record right. that album, everything right. they except for writing. They wrote, I think I, they wrote a great record, but they did everything wrong to record it, and they never should have had Bob Rock playing the bass. Even yeah with the trash can snare drum hearing Rob Trujillo play those songs is much better.
1: Right. And you know, you mentioned Bob Rock. Now, as I say this to clarify, I I love Bob's work. You know, Black Album is obviously one of the greatest, you know, fucking sounding metal records of its time. And same with like, you know, Dr. Feel Good, all that stuff. But you can see in the movie, you know, it didn't even matter. What they did anymore. It was like they, you know, they're busting out dildos and vibrating on the strings. So like, how's that, Bob? He's like, but you're Metallica. It's great. You know, like he didn't even, you know,
0: spot <laughs> rock is not the kind of person. And before I say this, right. I love Bob's work.
1: Same here. Yeah.
0: Love it. Love it. As a producer, as a pure producer, I, you know, I'm the dumbass that likes load and reload. I think they would have made an amazing 60 minute album great rather than, you know, too, eh. 80 minute albums but you know whatever there's some, there's some great work there but he could not wear the both hats at the same time he was equal parts in awe of them and the boss of them Right. it, right. Didn't, it didn't work but what I was trying to say earlier before we got off track <laughs> I, I bring it back because I have noticed when I listen back to my podcast I'll start a story and it doesn't finish so
1: <laughs> it's all good
0: I'm going to finish this one. The Some Kind of Monster and Year and a Half Life Metallica are a great introduction to how the music industry has changed. And
2: Absolutely.
0: It's when you watch those two movies, you had Randy Razorblade in Year and a Half literally cutting the master tape Randy and taping Scott. in new. And then you go to, you know, then you fast forward 10 years to Some Kind of Monster and they're recording a riff once and just looping it. Right. You
1: know, um, I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. You know, I think the technology is there and I think it's a great tool. I work in both Pro Tools and Studio One. Studio One's my main choice. Um, but it's one of those things where it my personal opinion, I think it's highly abused. You know, it's uh, it, I think it hinders the songwriting process. You know, if you're too worried about, you know, oh, we'll fix it later, or, you know, let's add, you know, like, let's auto-tune this, or whatever the fuck, you know, like, I'm I'm used to trying to just do one-take thing all the way through. When we, um, when I recorded the Mouth of the Swine record, uh, uh, we had, uh, Mikey Doling produced that, we recorded it in uh, California over at Stagg Street, and then there was another studio, and I, forgive me, I forget the name of it, where we did guitars and vocals. But, yeah, we, you know, he was very... Animate about not doing the loop thing you know just go until you fuck up or if you feel like you need to do it again do it again you know just get it right you know and that was an awesome experience because i was so used to working with other people who loop stuff and who you know they you know program drums and stuff like that and you know going back to what i was saying you know the tools are there and i think there's a place for them but i don't think people should Truly rely on that because I think they're kind of cock blocking themselves when it comes to creativity.
0: You know, and I know nobody likes Cameron Crow because Cameron Crow's not cool. But if hey man, he went to the bottom of the ocean. No, <laughs> no that's a different question. Wait, is that Cameron? No, that's James, no, James Cameron. <laughs> that's James Cameron. Sorry, <laughs> no, Look, I'm Nick Cameron. Cameron. We got too many Camerons going on yeah, at one time. Too many Camerons. Cameron. Cameron, Cameron Crow, sorry. Cameron, yeah. Now you got me <laughs> messed up. Cameron Crow in in uh, Almost Famous, and I forget which cut. Fucking amazing I only, Great film. I, I only watch the untitled cut because, you know what, if there's an extra three hours of footage, let me just watch that and just spend the next, yeah. let me just watch that for the weekend. It's fine. And right. there's a moment where he says, you know that woo in that song? That, what was it, a, a, a Miles Davis song or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know that, I mean, that woo wasn't actually in the song. It was a mistake, but he's right. like, you know that woo that's there, but not for the rest of it. He's like, yeah, the mistakes is like, yeah, that's what makes music. And I think right. that's a big part of why I love live albums so much. Yeah,
1: yeah. absolutely. And it's I, actually, um, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I am like the king of live albums. I have probably 200 on vinyl. Right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean, just That's to give awesome. you an idea, I've got four Metallica live albums. Is that right? Let me see. Uh, 80, 90. The Binge oh, and Purge, right? The yeah. Live yeah. Well, I've got that on vinyl. Nice. Then, awesome. uh, in Seattle, ninety it was released in the Justice box set on triple vinyl. Wow. Which is why I bought the which is why I bought the Justice box set. That's the only one I have. Love Metallica, but I don't I don't buy the giant box sets unless <laughs> right. Selected. I have not bought a giant box set or any kind of box set of any album ever except that one because it's like they almost it. don't
1: even exist anymore you know like you know CDs are not existent anymore so well, I, I not- only
0: buy vinyl I mean if you look right. behind me I need to
1: I need to catch up on you man I need to, <laughs> I'm i still building mines. So.
0: I started in 2015 to give you an idea and that's amazing that's cool good collection so far yeah I, have, <laughs> I, 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 I yeah okay we'll go with that um <laughs> But no, going back to what you're saying, yeah, it's
1: uh, the mistakes are great. It's actually going going back to Metallica. Since this went from Pink Floyd to Metallica, we'll just switch to Metallica. Uh, You know, it's one of those things where they, you know, James loves mistakes. He's even said that. He's like, this is why we don't play the click track live. This is why we don't do samples unless it's like an intro. He's like, I like it when we fuck up. It reminds me I'm human.
0: What the thing about Metallica and, and fuck ups is, in the studio they don't have them. When it comes right. to studio, like if you want, again going back to the documentaries, and those are two of them. I, I think I said this, but I'm going to say it again. Yeah, those two documentaries, in my opinion, are probably the two most important musical documentaries in in metal, if For not sure. a regular music. Absolutely, movie, because you actually get to see what it was like to be in those bands at that time and they were very unfiltered and very awful and but you see what it takes to make a record and i my favorite metallica stuff is their live stuff it's the garage days releases and it's honestly lulu
1: Lulu is
0: my absolute favorite i have it on vinyl i ordered it from england because at the time there was no american pressing um I know everybody else hates it. There's like six of us that love it. But if you listen to that album and really pay attention, it's, it's, it's like they're drunk. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they weren't drunk because, you know, James right. is still <laughs> All Right, right. knows what Lou Reed was going on at that time. But there are right. times where Lou Reed breaks character in songs and yells at James, come on, James. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: That's they great. recorded A double record in 10 days.
1: Wow ridiculous well i mean i you know i could what what year was that when they did that uh 11 okay so
0: all right 11 or 12 12 12
1: that could that could make sense because just recently i i just recorded even though i'm not with hemlock anymore we just did a double album we did 22 songs and it was a kind of a two-year process where we had done pre-production uh at my house we at first we did program drums just to get the idea because this is during covid so you know we didn't couldn't get together uh, and then once we had the ideas down you know uh we I, they flew me out to missouri and we wait uh, did you say missouri yeah
0: <laughs> we're <laughs> yeah. in missouri
1: uh, so the, some of the guys uh, live uh, kind of like St. Joseph area. Uh, Chad uh, and his wife, Jalinda, they live in actually like Southwest Iowa. So, you know, it's kind of in that area. Oh, of, the parts
0: uh, of Missouri I refuse to go to. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah,
1: they, they don't want to be around people. Just, you know, <laughs> it's like, but which is not, it's a very small, no-name town. Uh, you know, there's like fucking maybe a thousand people, if that. But uh, they bought yeah, like, like a rural Missouri. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and. But uh, it was nice because we had privacy and we were able to just set up a room. We totally did it DIY. Um, We happen to have uh, this building. It's kind of like an HQ, but we have all the, you know, everything from, you know, 20, I think, I think Hemlock's almost on their 30th year. But like, I mean, all their shirts, designs, like all that stuff, you know, memorabilia, everything, we have all the gear, but we cleared out a room, did all the drums. We did 22 songs of drums in four days. So, and it was just knocking it out, getting it out of the way. Okay. And then I came home and mixed it.
0: <laughs> I'm with you. Okay. But that's just drums. Right. Right. But it's still, think, yeah. They did a five piece live album or a five piece double record in 10 days. Jesus. Because that's probably they, they made it at the time they did because they were worried about uh, Lou Reed dying.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah i i remember it was, they were on a time
0: crunch <laughs> he, he he died a little early you know if we're All being right. honest and the thing about lulu is when i first heard it i'm like what in the world again what in the world is this right like, i'm not a lou reed fan i like the first velvet underground record that's about as far as it goes and i so it wasn't like i was You have to get yourself into the mind frame that this is not Metallica, right? And James barely sings on it. There's like he he does backups mostly, right? And then a couple of ridiculous things. But it is it's an it's a it's a musical that Lou Reed wrote, right? That he thought was going to be played on Broadway. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) (laughs) with lyrics that i will not repeat ever of course (laughs) yeah yeah there's just nothing you can repeat there and right uh, yeah it's it's very (laughs) problematic quite frankly right right but i think the phrase from that album that sticks with me is common state worker i don't know what that means but okay it was bad
1: Maybe humanity, something. Who knows, right? I
0: thought (laughs) it was a guy that worked for the government. I don't know. It was about a a prostitute in Germany in the 1880s. I mean, none of it makes sense. I mean, it's all
1: subjective, bro.
0: Could you imagine hanging out with Lou Reed and he's, you know, wrapping the tube and pulling it? Oh, man. Sadly, that lady that that in in Germany in
1: 1880? (sighs) Common state work. Sadly, I uh, have. Seen that stuff so I don't you know I've done a bunch of stuff in my lifetime But I've never done needles and sadly I had to like I when I was fucking Around um, you know I was Around a friend who was like doing it in front of me And that's that's just rough to watch it's like Even even if you love that shit It's just God, it's not a <laughs> you know, I,
0: I don't know If I've ever said it publicly or not but yes I had a dazed and confused era In my life right but Yeah that was never something that Even in the deepest throws of that time frame which weren't that deep frankly uh i would ever consider and no and it's i shouldn't make light of lou reed's problems i'm sorry sorry. well no yeah i mean
1: you know i've like i said i've dabbled a lot of stuff um you know and i've learned a lot from it you know i i'm kind of of the bill hicks mindset where you know, it should be a learning experience and you should never abuse, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Even even though I'm using that analogy for drugs, you know, um, th- there's so many times we see it in music, we see it in movies, we see it, you know, not helping any scenario.
0: Well, I mean, if I'm being completely honest right now, I am drinking a Yingling Golden Pilsner, which is a delicious beer that I can't get in St. Louis.
1: Recently on a road trip, <laughs>
0: brought it back. So, nice. you know, oh, it's just a beer, right? Just a beer. Jeff yeah. Hanneman died from drinking just a beer. Right. Because he drank a case and a half a day. So, yes, right. I, you know, it, you, any any substance can be abused to death. Of course. You Shit. Just gotta, I mean,
1: air. Also, you know, <laughs> as I've
0: gotten old, you can actually die from too much water, which is weird. Yeah. You waterboard
1: yourself. Yeah. You know,
0: as, as I've gotten older personally, I stopped drinking liquor. I love bourbon, but I don't like to have one ounce of a liquid as of a drink. Yeah, so I'd find myself pouring four and five ounce bourbons with a couple ice cubes.
1: I'll tell you a story. Um, This is during my I have have a shit ton of stories which I can talk about all day. Um, My first tour with Hemlock, um, we uh, were playing in Billings, Montana. I think this was twenty. 13, 2014 i'm trying to think i think it was probably 2013 uh the night before my birthday my birthday's in october uh, the night before we were hanging out with some friends of the band and uh we were just drinking all night and it's you know birthday eve you know we're just fucking going crazy i got so drunk so drunk that i drank till the sun came up and the guys are already in the bus now keep in mind this is a a school bus that they've had for years that they converted into a tour bus painted black uh, anybody who's ever knows has ever heard the band has probably seen the bus drive around um i couldn't open the door which by the way was not a locked door so i'm just pulling a uh, you know Anybody, so they wake up they let me in i'm just uh, you know barely talking next day hung over more than i've ever been in my life i'm still half drunk technically I'm puking up water because I keep chugging water. I'm just trying to get hydrated. Okay. I load in and uh, we do a sound check. I go straight back to the bus. I, like, I got to sleep this off. I wake up to getting pulled out of the top bunk by Chad, my singer. He's like, get the fuck up. We're going on right now. You know, and I'm just still in this horrible mess. I'm fuck. I look like absolute shit. I have a picture somewhere of that night of just me on stage. And I look like death. And I remember after the show, which, you know, I got somehow I got through, Not good, but I got through it. And we loaded up. We got in the bus, and Chad basically was like, "Just so you know, we were looking up Greyhounds for you." I was like, "I just started. I just started losing. You know, I started tearing up and kind of losing it, man. Because so many people take for granted the touring thing. You know, it's a it's a life where you know, you know, people are offering you drugs, they're offering you alcohol, all you can drink, all you can smoke." whatever you want to do, you know, and I I fucked it up, but then he goes, but we know it's your birthday. So why don't you look up in your cupboard? We had cupboards that are above our seats. And I looked up and they got me a Darth Vader mask for my birthday. Cause you know, I love star Wars and that made me even kind of break down more. Cause I was given a second chance and it really um, to go back to what you're saying. of just learning from, you know, addiction and, you know, learning from drinking and stuff like that is I was given a second chance where most people would be sent
0: home or dead. And, and yeah. you know, and one of the things, you know, we make light of musicians and their substance abuses and probably we shouldn't because I I know what happens to me when there's free booze. Yeah, it's never Same. good. Never good. <laughs> you know, if I'm buying, I'm OK. I mean, do right. I seem drunk? I've had a couple of beers. I'm going to have a couple and go to bed and probably no more after this. Now, if it were free. Mm hmm
1: open bar baby <laughs>
0: you know when it's open bar i go for a george thoroughgood you know what that means right oh what what's what's a george Thoroughgood? one bourbon one scotch and one beer there you go <laughs> you don't know that tune oh you're a little I, I don't you know, I have I a little, young. Yeah,
1: forgive me.
0: So it's, no, it's, I, it's fine. I, I, was,
1: I was stuck in the thrash era, so it's, you know.
0: I'm just no, kinda... George Thurgood, he's a, he's a white-blue singer from the 80s. Oh, yeah, I, I know 80s. who he
1: is. I'm just not familiar with the tune
0: yeah. Yeah, so, he's, it's, he's, it's, he's got, like, four or five real, uh, one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer is a cover that he did of John Lee Hooker, which is a cover John Lee Hooker did of some guy named Freddie something or other. Right.
1: I'm gonna get yeah. so much shit for not knowing the song I can already hear. It. You know, actually, if you what don't know fuck? that song, that's
0: that's bad. I mean, it's been, <laughs> frankly,
1: yeah. you listen to the fucking Slayer and Pantera and fucking Yonah Mosh like, <laughs> So
0: you know, I've interviewed. Re- look, me, public. look, look, just because you're flexing, I'm gonna flex harder. I've interviewed fucking Rex Brown, and I know the song.
1: Nice. I have a funny
0: story about Rex Brown that I will not talk about. I have a funny story about <laughs> Rex Brown too. It was that interview because it was my my first or second in-person interview and I didn't yeah. know the Mores yet. Yeah. And I pissed him off immediately. <laughs> my fault. It was I am not right. mad at Rex Brown by any stretch of the imagination. I fucked up. Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know. And it just it was it was bad, but after that, that was what. We <laughs> learned. When I listened to the interview, it sounded like he just fucking couldn't stand me. This
2: motherfucker.
0: Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> now when you read it back, because it, it was it was a, it it, it, it was a print interview, so I, you read it back and it looks amazing. Right. When you listen to it, and I'm like, Ugh. but what right. I learned that day was who I am, what I do, and that was not what I do i had ideas and i had a plan and i was being professional and i'm not good at that i am good the best interviews i've ever done are the ones where i say are you guys ready i take my iphone out and i hit record and i put it down how you doing right yeah just on the spot right there yeah how you doing let's talk right right. and i just trans but i hate transcribing things so i switched to podcasting right well i mean
1: I, I wouldn't blame you, you know, everybody's getting taken out of context nowadays, so like, when you start reading shit that people say, even if it's a joke, they're just like, oh my god, why would they say that, you know? Yeah. Oh, and,
0: and for the record, because I've mentioned this Rex Brown story more than once on my podcast, I should mention, he gave me a high five and a bit of a hug after the show. <laughs> well,
2: so that's
0: good. It ended you know, well, right? <laughs> yeah, it was fine, you know, he yeah. wasn't, He I, I put him off It was, you know, he'd been on the road for a while. This was when he was in Kill Devil Hill and not, you know, living the amazing life that Pantera was leading.
1: Well, you know, I think also when you meet people in a different context, you get different stories, obviously. For example, um, uh, Des, Des Farva from uh, Cult Chamber, uh, Devil Driver. Uh, we did a tour with them uh, as Hemlock with Devil Driver. And, um, you know, I heard stories from, you know, not people who knew him, but like people who like fans who went to shows I'm like, ah, he was such a jerk, ah, you know, and then I'm like, okay, like whatever. So, but when I met him, every day he would come up to us, shake our hands. Hey guys, do you need anything? Like, what's up? You know, let me know if you need anything. Just a fucking absolute sweetheart, you know, and I think it goes to show when you're, you know, working with someone, or if you're just being real, compared to coming up as a starstruck fan, it's a completely different vibe altogether.
0: So completely, you know. and I have a King Diamond story that's not mine. Um, there's a local St. Louis band that, uh, uh, you know, what it doesn't matter. I'll just say it. they're called Anesthesia. <laughs> okay. Oh, <yeah. And, laughs> They they had a moment in, in the nineties where they were they were getting somewhere. And this is around the time when Merciful Fate reformed. And they were asked to open on the European leg of the Merciful Fate tour. Right. And now I heard this story from my buddy who was their buddy. You know, because St. Louis is just man, I am burping like crazy. I apologize.
1: Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, get
0: that beer burp down, man. <laughs> it's usually Hold not as bad. Like so, <laughs> St. Louis is a small town. Everybody knows each other. You know, it's, it, I've got stories about that or, that are terrifying that I will not go into because they're personal. But so, you know, my friend, my friend Nate was in a band called Tribes with Knives, and he was. They were good friends with Anna Cruces. and so that, that's how I got this story. H- his buddy walks into the bathroom, and there's King Diamond sitting on the shitter, reading the newspaper, with his top hat on legs swinging because king diamond <laughs> is tiny yeah. Yeah, mate i mean just picture that just for yeah. a you it's know a magazine it's, cover you know <laughs> no Ozzy already did it but <laughs> it, it's important to remember and this is not just you know this, this has always been my thing it's not just musicians it's the people that we see because fame is disposable and that is a big part of why my band in the the nineties was called disposable Messiah. It wasn't about religion. It was about, you know, the, the entertainers in our lives. We throw them away easily. Right. And
2: absolutely
0: the, the person up there that you make light of the person you're watching on television, they're real people. And it's, it's important that we remember that. So I got touchy feely. I'm sorry.
1: No, but you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think, I hope, whoever is listening to this or you know watches this is understanding that yeah we are
0: there's people. no watching it's just listening
1: all right so you know anybody you know we, we are people you know we we're writing music to relate you know to everyone else or for people to get an insight of us and I guess I could go back to answering your question about my music which is I want to write stuff that people can relate to because there's a lot of stuff out there that people don't relate to it's kind of one of the reason why some people can't gravitate towards metal because either a of the 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 vocals or it's too riffy or anything like that i love to shred i like doing leads and fucking guitar over the head and blah 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 you know showboating and all that but you know i kind of got back to that whole quote of you know don't bore us get to the chorus you know um and just getting getting back to what music needed to be which is just say what you mean quit quit overlapping it with you know um you know metaphors so, i mean definitely i mean obviously writings and art. i am in no way a fucking master of lyrics it takes me a long time to come up with something that in essence is simple to say but how to say it where people can be like i fucking fucking it, bro you know like you know
0: so and, you know I, mean, I love i love metal you know i have probably more brutal death metal than anybody should and black metal and you know, just whatever, Love it. <laughs> and, you know, for the past year and a half without getting too personal, the last year and a half, I mean, for all of us has been very, very hard and yes. I have found myself just really retreating into the music of Pink Floyd. Right. When I was, when I was very young, when I was a teenager going through everything I went through, That was where I retreated. The wall was my sanctuary. And it helped me deal with the problems I had at that time. And that's just where I've been. I have, in the past year and a half, I have just tried to acquire everything I could from that band.
1: Right. I still still love-
0: Because I'm a gumma sucks.
1: (laughs) Well, I love the, uh, is is
0: it live in in Pompeii when they're playing in that, I Uh, I don't like that one because that one is pre the Floyd.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely older, but like, I just loved the the reason why I loved it is because there's no one there except the camera crew and just the band and a fucking gong. And they're just playing to the fucking earth. You know, that was it. it. was just a fucking jam out and play emotionally fucking driven music to just themselves and, and mother and mother earth
0: you know like hang on just... hang on let me let me show you something i want to show you
1: something i, I love it yeah let me show it let me show now you know what I, mean. <laughs> I need that lava lamp though that's a great lava lamp back there
0: uh that is actually and i mentioned this before that is actually a lava brand lava lamp ah <laughs> an actual lava yeah. lamp nice i got it for 15 bucks at a second not a secondhand store, like Kohl's or something. Okay, wow. you're that's in final, point. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, do you, what's this?
1: Oh man, I've seen that before. Holy shit. shit! And that that, I mean, it's Floyd, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing Adam I'm Young, Adam so. Hart, Mother, <laughs> Adam Hart, Mother. Oh, wow. Is it live in Japan? Is oh, that is is yeah, Adam Hart, Mother. Wow, that's yeah. fucking cool, man. Oh wait. i wish people could see this because it's so cool it's such a great cover that is the album now oh wow nice what's that oh wow it's cool so what, what what what's the the, the awesomeness of it like what's what what i'm trying to read. it's kind of blurry on our video feed so Yeah, i've got me. a
0: really terrible camera i'm sorry
1: i me too i've got a little bit of texas
0: oh wow this oh, is the cool. toshiba japanese red super vinyl pressing of adam hart mother wow that's the, fucking cool man the red super vinyls are the holy grail of any pressing
1: Wow, well, I've got a vinyl to show you. I'll be right back. <laughs> ah. Now it's not, it's not Pink Floyd or anything like that. But I think you'll get a kick out of it. All right, this is the first copy, I believe. The full nice. original soundtrack. Look at
0: that. Very cool. I will admit, I've admitted this before and I'll admit it again. The hot dog stand in my neighborhood has a copy of Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I once pulled it off the wall to see see if the record was in it. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I put it back. I put it back, Steve. (laughs) This was given to me
1: randomly by a guy I, I can't even remember exactly why he gave it to me. He was staying at the house that I was staying at at the time. He's like, you look like you could use this. I was like, are you fucking sure, dude? This is like original press. He's like, "Well, take it. I was like, fucking sweet. So yeah, the original fucking vinyl press of the first Star Wars
0: movie before that, it was that, even
1: episodic.
0: That is so. sweet. That is pretty sweet. The- <laughs> Japanese pressings of, of 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s, and 80s vinyl are the best pressings. Really? Was it just because of the way they did it? Or like? One, they did small runs. OK. So the, the, the molds didn't get messed up. Two, they mastered them slightly differently. Ah. And okay. three, they're just better. Because the Japanese make everything better. Of That's course.
1: Do. <laughs> it's one of my bucket list places to go is Japan. Same.
0: <laughs> and the I actually had for dinner last night. I had uh, you ramen. Oh, nice! I had it nice. delivered. And there's only one place in this damn stupid city that doesn't have tonkatsu ramen because I hate. <laughs> anyway, my anyway, wife trying to figure
1: out how to make uh like some good romaine, like you know, uh, lo mein, like noodles and stuff. Like I, I love to cook, and I, I love, I've been trying to make like my own pasta and my own like noodles and shit. I'm, so far, I don't do the, that. I don't, so far, kidding. Asian food is like the hardest shit to fucking get right. <laughs>
0: if you want to make good ramen, just buy like cheap, by like imported ramen, right? And then like throw a scoop of miso in there. Just call it a day. Okay, okay. perfect. Of, Secrets revealed here on the podcast. Just, just finish <laughs> the the Japanese red pressings are considered to be the best vinyl pressings of all time. Damn, I'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that. Good luck. They are not, <laughs> they're not not cheap. This one, I I had sold a bunch of crap on. I was out of work for a time last year when uh, the company I was working for for six years chose to uh, eliminate my position in the worst global downturn of my lifetime. Thank you for that. And (laughs) I sold a crap ton of stuff on eBay, ended up getting a really good job very soon. And I had a bunch of money in my PayPal. And I'm like, hey, do you mind if I... Yeah, go ahead, whatever. All right, which uh, Adam Hart Mother is not even one of my top ten favorite Floyd records, but right, you know, uh, Dark Side of the Moon Super Vinyl is like two thousand dollars. Oh God, it's, I got ugh. I got that one for a hundred. Right, which well, the one great. I'm the the vinyl
1: I've been looking for for a while, which is you know your favorite band, Type or Negative. Uh, they have uh, October Rust is the the double press of that. It's so fucking hard to find. I, I have a friend in Lubbock, Texas that owns a uh, Rouse Records over there. And she had about Doug Stapp. And uh, he, uh, I told him, I was like, if you ever find this, you call me the fuck immediately. And he was like, I'd never get that. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> like what I do, I, I, it's gone. <laughs> he's like.
0: <laughs> I was in one of my favorite record stores, Record Exchange, South St. Louis City on Hampton in a former library and because they got that much stuff wow not all great but i had a copy of kiss alive three original pressing from the 90s wow 30 bucks i'm like hell yeah i walked that's outside so and i pulled the records out i'm like wait a minute that's just one of Alive Two. Oh, i had to walk back in. lame he took yeah, it I, back I, he took it back it's fine but you want to talk about sadness <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I love that you have a, a love for vinyl. Mine, actually, you're going to find this hilarious uh, or or just lame, who knows. But I actually developed a, a love for vinyl around the same age, you know, 12 or 13, because at the time, DJing actually was cool. Uh, you know, we didn't have, you know, like CDJs and shit like that. And uh, my, my middle brother, uh, William, uh he's he's a techno guy and i was i've been a techno guy for a long time a lot of people don't know that about me i've been a a house dj for a long time but you know i started with vinyl you know we didn't have like you know technology to sync and to you know do all this shit the game's kind of changed now but i started on you know vinyl we had two technic turntables and a vestax two two track and you know we were just fucking mixing it. It was great just to pull the record out, you know, and fucking beat match, like, do it everything analog, you know. Um, I still try and go DJ once in the blue moon, but also the genre's changed a lot, too. Everybody's into the uh, dubstep-y, kind of trappy stuff, and I've I've just never done that, so I I try not to go out to the clubs too much anymore, so.
0: I, you know, and the thing about DJing is I never really got it. Right. I'll I'll be be honest. A lot of people don't. Yeah, but I, I never, and, and this is where the story gets weird, I never got it until I went to a Metallica concert in, 20, in 2017, my wife and I went to go see uh, Metallica again at Bush Stadium, which was my first stadium show, even and Mixmaster Mike was there Nice <laughs> So, it was raining so he got to go on for like an hour Wow <laughs> and he was like mixing like hip hop and metal stuff, like Slayer yeah. and Pink Boys and yeah it was I'm like wow huh I finally understand DJing this isn't yeah anymore.
1: it's an art you know it's it's a it's a lost art too I think uh, nowadays. Now, I, I say this with all love and respect for the electronic music scene, uh, even though it's changed in a way that I'm not really hip with anymore, you know, like, there's all these new guys coming out, I'm like, I've never even fucking heard of this guy, and he's headlining EDC or some shit, you know, so, um, but, no, yeah, it's an art form, you know, it's... Uh, it it's
0: completely a- is, and it's the kind of art form that when you're old and confused like me, it's hard to understand, because you're right. not, you're, you're creating things with someone else's paintbrush with someone else's True. brush strokes and True. that's what gets difficult to understand
1: right people being getting famous or basically writing the coattail of the material that they're playing
0: right and right. that's not to say it's not worthwhile right it's hard for people that are of my generation to put wrap their heads around now what i really hate are dj's that have ipods and just do this right just for the but record you know, I, hit, I hit the k button
1: Oh, well, the funny part is that in essence, DJing is literally, there's only one rule to DJing, keep everybody dancing, you know, keep everybody happy, play music that people like, and the problem that I kind of have with it, and this is is just my opinion, I don't care if anybody agrees with it or not, is that it's not about. In my eyes, in certain clubs and certain places that I've played at, it's not about the crowd anymore. It's about this. You know, it's about, it's not about looking at the crowd and all that. Now, I say that in a very small reference. Not everyone does that. I believe everybody that's
0: doing well, what they do What you nowadays. just did, and for the record, uh, because nobody can see this, he put his arm above his head at a 180 degree angle and move it to a 90 degree and then back and then back right
1: fist pumping. you know just everybody knows
0: everybody knows that we've all seen danger mouse right right yeah dead mouse
1: dead mouse but here's the thing with dead mouse though is he has never really claimed to be a dj in fact when you actually go look at his stuff he doesn't use turntable i mean he can he can definitely dj MC. no he's, he he's one like, of those
0: guys that push a button that gets called a dj
1: but he's a, but he's kind of like in the Daft Punk thing where they do everything live. Like he's playing Sense live, he's looping. Like this is where it goes back to my argument about using technology in the right way where if you're gonna do stuff like that, like if you're playing it live, I much appreciate that more than just hit and play, you know? But as someone who does press play, I think there's, a, you gotta look at it in different ways. Like if you're just a press play guy, you gotta go back to what's your job, which is keep people dancing if you are a live guy where you're actually playing keyboards looping and doing live performance that's art that's a that's a music performance you know and even though it might be pre-programmed or you've got some stuff that's in the you know in the shadows a bit i still appreciate that a little more than i do just you know press and play and playing music you know
0: well i have got to say we have strayed as far away from the Agreed upon topic as possible. And That's even the a second theory. agreed upon topic, which is what I, which is exactly what I hope for. You right. know, I, <laughs> you know, I, the idea of this podcast is just to talk and right. people to possibly find something funny and find something interesting. And we are running short on time. That's totally fine. So before ask we ask get- away before we get too far let's talk serious for a minute what's okay. your cat's name but i'm sorry what's your cat's name my cat's name is oreo <laughs> wow problematic
1: yeah <laughs> well when i got her uh i i got this little fuzz ball and it was just this little black and white fuzz ball and i was like i just looked at her for five minutes when i held her in my hand i was like oreo
0: <laughs> so i'm assuming and now
1: she's a, a giant main coon you
0: know it's <laughs> a main coon really
1: yeah, just big old fat. You know,
0: <laughs> because I'm so really ridiculously metal. I love cats too. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> and every cat I've ever gotten as a kitten, I keep like looking. I think there's some ear tufts there. I think it's a Maine Coon.
1: Right, right. Never, no, my, my, my never cat's a fucking, She's a fat bitch. I love her to death, but she's just a fucking roly poly of a cat. You
0: know, we are bringing home our fourth cat this weekend. My my. That's awesome. I gave my daughter after she was born, I gave her the half Himalayan land beast that was born under my bed at his heaviest wow. 25 pounds. Oh, and goodness. He lived 15 years and he died three weeks ago. Five, I guess oh, about a month ago. And my, heart, my heart goes out to you, man. His name was Wicket. Wicket? Guess why? No idea. And he was completely brown, long hair. And oh. and adventurous.
1: Oh, uh, okay, <laughs> nice. So my my mother had a black cat named Pywacket, and it was a witch's cat's name. And that cat lived, fucking,
0: I swear to God, probably like sixteen years. And uh, I had a black cat <laughs> named uh, Floyd. Nice <laughs> after Dark Side of the Moon. Sadly, and he was the greatest cat of all time. Sadly, he right. only lived fifteen months. Oh, caught a virus wow. last year and oh. we got another black cat last year in the summertime floyd nice. we, we lost floyd in, in the spring and we got Gigi in the summertime Gigi oh. is named after the black cat who is uh from kiki's delivery service who is Kiki- yeah yeah, cat- yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: that's and,
0: awesome and then, so then we got another cat named leia yes and, uh, my wife needed a cat to cuddle with during the election. <laughs> and it oh. was determined that we needed another kitten so Gigi wouldn't kill the oldies. <laughs> but we also have the 14-year-old, um, not Himalayan, Wicked was the Himalayan, um, Hemingway. Hemingway, nice. <laughs> the polydactyl, six-toed cat. So that's we, great, that's we needed, awesome. We needed a kitten it's Louis the Ninth, actually, after Saint, after Saint Louis. <laughs> and we needed a cat to distract uh Gigi away from the old farts so he wouldn't kill them. Yeah. So then we got <laughs> that. man. And then wicked Dog. Oh gosh. So now we're getting the new cat whose name is Goose. Nice. Nice. Uh, his name at the keep, shelter keep is keep her away from I was gonna say keep her away from Jets. Uh, well, yeah. Well, this it's good for <laughs> the, the Flurkin and Captain Marvel. Oh, there you go. Yeah,
1: I, re- I remember that. that was, dude, Marvel knocks... Man, that's a whole other conversation. I had, a, I, had a, I had a whole fucking conversation with my friend about how this, is, this might be blasphemy, but uh, Marvel kind of owned Star Wars in the past few years as far okay. as... How to properly do sequels.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go back to what I was trying to say earlier. Right. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not touching that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I have good reason
1: for it. I could. I not touching it, a, not yeah. touching it. Not
0: touching <laughs> it. Want to touch it. Not today. There's not right. enough time. Uh, but we'll do another interview someday. Yeah,
1: we'll,
0: do. <laughs> we'll do another one. We'll do another one. Uh, in the shelter, the cat's name is Lobster. So I wanted to name him Dwayne the Rock Lobster. Right. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. <laughs> I love I love your cat names. I, I I named a cat for my friend. It was Oreo. My cat Oreo had three letters before I finally fucking gave that. Yeah, well, not my fault. My roommate at the time. Are I, you I sure? Told him, oh, yeah. I told him because I went on the road. I was like, I have one rule for you. Don't let Oreo. And he's like, you got it. And he fucking let her out every goddamn day. <laughs> and we haven't fucking lived in a trailer. So it was like fucking, you know, feral cats and dogs oh, yeah. and bullshit. And I'm just like, God damn it. Sounds
0: know, like my so, mother's
1: house. Came back, she's a fucking balloon. You know?
0: <laughs> well, I got Umi, Wicket's mother, from a breeder who was a munchkin breeder. And apparently a Himalayan breeder near her got shut down. So they were sheltering cats and she's like oh i'm pretty sure she's fixed she's been in here with this male cat and not pregnant Six <laughs> weeks later i wake <laughs> up on labor day <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: like,
0: down there weren't seven cats there last night
1: oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing i'm a i'm glad you're such an a, a cat lover because my wife when i met her you know she was like i've never had a cat like i've been around cats but i've never owned a cat i was like well too bad Oreo's coming with us. Uh,
0: you know, uh, well, my my wife, is, my wife is the same, but I had four cats when I met her. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had, uh, let's see, at that time I had uh, Umi and Wicket. Umi died in 2018. Right. And Wicket died this year. And then I had Smile, who died the year we, we got together, unfortunately. Oh. And then I had Peiko, who I had to give away. Uh-huh. Peiko could not deal with. I had Peko and Smile, which were the main characters of my favorite movie that no one's ever heard of.
1: Which ping is pong.
0: ping pong. Ping pong.
1: I've heard of it. I've just never I seen not. it. Have not. Don't lie to me. I've heard of, but I've never seen it.
0: Where does it come from?
1: I don't fucking know. I've just heard of it.
0: <laughs> it is a Japanese movie based on a manga of the same name about five dudes in Japan that play ping pong.
1: Okay, I Peiko think. And Smile. Like...
2: Like, it
0: is, is the, the movie I watch when I feel like killing myself. Because <laughs> I always feel great afterwards. So oh, man. <laughs> I named my two cats after those two. And, but then when I moved in with my wife, Peiko could not make the change. Uh, yeah, it's so rough. Yeah. I ga- so I gave her away. And then two months after that, my wife's like, hey, there's these polydactyl cats. Can we get one? I'm always going to say yes. So I said yes. Now we have Louie, the 25-pound fat shit who's a jerk. <laughs> so my wife was not a cat person. And she's like now a crazy cat lady, but she's she, it's like, no, I'm a crazy kitten lady.
1: <laughs> See, my cat fucking just lays on my wife like all day. Like she loves her now. Like that, there are two peas in the pod. And Oh no,
0: for, for us, it's uh, Leia. Leia's her cat. We had to get yeah. Leia. Her, Uh, it's Princess Leia now. When she gets a little older, it'll be General Leia. There you go. Now it's Princess. And yeah, so that's I don't know. We have really lost the plot here. Um, What do we need to know about you before before we wrap this up?
1: Well, you know, even though we strayed from the path a little bit, um, no, I uh, I am. You know, this whole solo thing is all new to me. Uh, I it's my first time expressing myself and really trying to make music that everybody can relate to. Um, you can find all my stuff at gelbertone.com, which is also where I own an audio company making impulse responses. For any nerdy people out there, I make virtual guitar cabs that you can load into any of your modelers. If you have a Line 6 Podgo or a, or a Kemper or anything like that, um, you can uh, go there. I'm about to upload a bunch of new products on there. Uh, uh, you can get all my music there. I'm on you know, Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, any Anytime you just type in uh, James Gelber Music or Gelbertone, you can find me. I'm currently working on my next single, um, which is about division, because it seems to be a lot of it nowadays. So, uh, yeah, just a bit. But, um, but yeah, The Runaway, uh, it, you know, it just got released. And it's if you couldn't tell what the song is about, it's about people who have ever had the feeling of just getting away and running away from you know, either problems or your life, you know, it, it, we all go through it. We all want to do it. And that, that song is for those people. So, so
0: to be clear, it's not a Bon Jovi cover. No,
1: it's not a Bon Jovi
0: <laughs> Cause you did a Richard Marks cover.
1: I did. I did a Richard Marks cover, which is funny. I did
0: it. Uh, kind of it's look it's at very... me, look at me doing like professional journalism there. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> You know, it's funny, uh,
1: the Richard Marks thing was kind of inspired by my wife Heidi because she loves that song and it was kind of like, I kind of want to you know impress her a bit like i want to show her i can like do Whoa. like a rock like a rock cover okay. kind of thing a bit so it wasn't like a she didn't ask me to do it or anything like that but i mainly did it for her because I, I love singing for her and i love you know just doing all that stuff you know like i'll be in the fucking shower singing or i'll fucking wake up and be like yeah, you know i'll be like <laughs> goofing around and you know she she comes and sees me at like open mics and uh, i also play bass for a uh, cover band here just to pay the bills But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where anytime she gets a chance to see me sing, it's awesome. And she's been, I cannot give her enough credit for pushing me to do more music because I was, you know, I was stuck in my head of not wanting to do anything. And she was like, you need to shut the fuck up and just record your goddamn self and put it out there. So, you know, don't ever have anybody tell you not to do anything. (laughs) Well,
0: I definitely, I definitely appreciate that kind of thinking. And I will leave everybody with a story about my wife. Where when we first got, when we were first, you know, feeling each other, out not even dating, I said to her, you like, you like heavy metal, right? Because that's a big part of my identity. She's like, oh, yeah, I love it. Which, what I found out later was she heard hair metal. (laughs) Completely different. I don't know about completely, but yeah. But I mean,
1: okay. Like, there's you know Slayer early's hair shit, you know. But
0: and then there's fucking you know. Well, I mean, there is a difference between (laughs) Poison and Iron Maiden, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. With with that, I'm gonna wrap this up. We're gonna actually play the Runaway. James, thank you very much for taking some time to talk about whatever the hell it is we talked about. Uh, I appreciate you coming along. Everybody check out his music. Uh, I will put a link to something in the description. And this is the Glacially Musical Podcast. It won't play in Peoria.